Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Locking Your Success Successful Trader of the Month interview for the Successful Trader for February of 2016. Before we get going, we would like to remind you that this presentation is for educational purposes only. We're not broker-dealers or financial advisors, and we're not making any specific trade recommendations. Also, please be aware that your risk in trading options is substantial, and please make sure you are aware of all your risks prior to placing any trades. Any trades in the presentation should be considered to be hypothetical unless otherwise noted. And as with all hypothetical trades, they are believed to be as accurately represented as possible. However, live results may vary. So this month, I just wanted to tell you a little bit about what we're doing here. Successful Trader of the Month is a program that Sherry and I came up with to reward and honor those traders who have put forth the work and effort and as a result are doing great with their trading. They receive the prestigious Lock in Your Success Successful Options Trader hat and receive an entry for a drawing to receive free stuff from us. Uh, successful Trader of the Month is also for you, the aspiring trader, because by having those successful traders share their experience with you, you'll gain useful insight and become inspired by knowing it can be done, and there are many, many different paths to do so. A trader can qualify for Successful Trader of the Month in several ways. First would be to provide a trading plan and a recent trade that we'll evaluate. Second would be by standing out by helping in the community or, or helping some other members. This might be through sharing useful information, maybe providing guidance or encouragement. Third might be if I notice someone who has a breakthrough or, or is progressing faster than normal or, or overcoming significant barriers or challenges. And fourth would be for creativeness, uh, as in maybe someone who successfully adapted their trading to uh, their unique personality, whether it be through one of my styles or someone else's or even you know, something that's completely done on their own. So today I am speaking with Cindy Sarver, our successful trader of the month. She was chosen for outstanding progress that she's made as a trader. Her confidence level and skill growth has been quite amazing. And of course, we can't forget to mention the help she's given us and other traders by putting together all those great documents, especially on Option View, and for the uh, for the great blog posts that uh, that you that her and her husband have been doing. So uh, we really appreciate that. So uh, good afternoon, Cindy. Hey, John, how you doing? I'm doing awesome. I hope you are doing uh, well yourself. So you, usually we start the stuff off with just you know having you tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, wow. Let's see. I'm retired. Retired about 10 years ago and uh, did it on a whim. I was in my mid-40s. I always tell people, don't do what I did, but uh, we had a bad bad week, you know how that goes, and decided, yeah, screw it, we're out of here. Moved to Belize, and then I think like most options trader, I got into my options trading the way everybody else did, which is I was living in a third world country, and I broke my ankle and had nothing better to do. Uh, I think that's a standard <laughs> path, right, John? Yeah, yeah, I, I think everybody is that. Yeah, they just quit their yeah. job and, and go away and break something. Yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so I, we were living in Belize at the time, and I did break my ankle, and there is nothing to do in Belize if you can't get out and about, and there are no crutches in the country either. So, you know, you're, you're pretty immobile there for a while, and I had something, I needed something to do. I, when I was in my career, whatever that was, um, I worked for a little startup company named Oracle. Some of you may have heard of it. Many of you probably have traded it. It was a little teeny tiny startup at the time, and I was part of the employee stock purchase plan, and so I had this pile of Oracle stock when I retired that I could do nothing with. 
because it wasn't playing it wasn't paying dividends at the time it does now but it didn't then and it just sat there and of course my cost basis was something like eight cents so I was going to pay capital gains on the whole thing and so I thought well shoot I've you know I've now retired and the the only unpleasant thing about retiring that I have ever found, and this is something you guys might want to take note of, because I think it was a real insight for me, they stop paying you. Nobody gives you paychecks anymore. It's really weird. They stop paying so, you when you retire? Go figure. Who knew? So, <laughs> you know, at that point, I've got my ankle broken. I'm living in Belize, and I'm thinking, okay, you know, maybe making money is not a bad idea, right? So I figured, okay, you know, what can I do? And I came upon these things called covered rights. And the SIBO has these free nifty little things, uh, little classes you take, and then you take a little, a little test and everything. And it was on options, obviously, at the SIBO. And I thought, oh, this is kind of cool. I can do this. And that was the start. And then it just kind of went from there of selling options on Oracle which kind of sucked because my time premium was so low because it's not a volatile stock and all that, but there you go. Right. And, um, you know, but it worked, and then I started to see how things could maybe be better, and, and then it just sort of grew from there. Well, that's awesome. So uh, let's see. You, you, would you like to share your screen now? Or Yeah, so I, I don't think many people get the opportunity, you know, even at, at, at 40 to actually be able to retire. So you did a really great job. You know, and maybe saving some money or, or actually oh, yeah. having stock. That's awesome. Yeah, sadly, none of it was inheritance. And I, I'm still speaking sharply about that to both of my parents. It's like, you know, I'm not too old to, to inherit something, but oh, well. Yeah, they it can was still throw you, throw you a bone, right? Yeah, some money. Yeah. right. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, there's nothing wrong with an allowance when you're in your 50s, right? Alas, yeah, I, gotta, I haven't been able to talk either of them into it. i got to talk to my parents. Maybe we can get something more. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. So tell us about, um, so you're, basically you had no, no uh, experience at all in stocks. You just kind of took some lessons and started doing covered rights. So that's great. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I'd invested over the years, but because I, you know, the career was first. And so it was just kind of mutual funds and that sort of thing and buying something that I often would buy companies that I would work for. Um, I, I was a I was a consultant, and so I would go in and do turnarounds on companies, and so I had a great insight into which companies are good and all that kind of stuff. And one of the companies I, I worked with was AutoZone, and in fact, one of my first complex options trades was AutoZone calendars, uh, just because I was familiar with the, with the company and the stock. Uh, that falls into the don't do what I did category. Um, it was trading at about 70 at the time, and the strikes were $10 apart in the <laughs> the options. So even, you know, everything was always tricky. And then they had an eight standard deviation day, and that was actually kind of fun. So, um, yeah, don't do that. Okay, but don't I do think, that. Yeah, right. Yeah. John, if you want to just stop, you know, the recording and make a note of that, I totally understand. But um, I think I'm actually unusual in my options trading because the very first complex options that I started, I did the AutoZone calendar, I did an OEX calendar, and I did a rut butterfly. I am probably the only options trader in the entire world, perhaps the entire universe if they trade options elsewhere, who has never traded an iron condor. I started with a rut butterfly. Wow, you missed, you missed the pleasure. I did. I did. I, I feel really left out, um, but not so much. And I started with the rut butterfly and the two calendars. I dropped the AutoZone calendar, as I said, on that eight standard deviation move date. 
thinking, huh, well, that wasn't fun. I shouldn't do and, that anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah, I made a note. It's in my trading journal. I can, I can, you know, copy it and give it to you if you want. But um, I, that's what I stuck with. And somewhere along, along the line, I realized that the concept of, oh, I'm going to have a calendar and a, and a butterfly because one's a vega, positive vega and one's a negative vega. It's like, yeah, that actually isn't true. I mean, it's true, but not really true. And, you know, people have talked about that ad nauseum. I figured also years ago, and so I dropped the calendar and just have done a rep butterfly since day one. Varying styles, varying adjustments, varying everything else, but that's always been my start and that's all I've ever done. Kind of boring. Well, no, I don't think it's boring because you can do a lot of things with butterflies, so um, yes. as I'm sure we'll, you'll show us, right? <laughs> yeah, and they're profitable too, which was a nice thing. I think one of the reasons that I never changed is they work. <laughs> you know, it's like, huh, look at this. They make money. Oh, they make money every month. Oh, they make money every year. Huh. So then it was, why should I modify what I'm doing? It works. Mm -hmm. um, so then the question just became, okay, it works, but I don't always understand why. And that was when I got to you, John, because <laughs> I know I blogged about it, but this is such a hysterical story. So... I I had a loss and couldn't figure out why and talked to some people and they said, well, it's just, you know, the market didn't didn't work for you that month, whatever, go on. And I'm not satisfied with that, so I dig into this thing and I come up with this brilliant answer. Oh my gosh, I set my adjustment point at resistance. That was the problem. And so I adjusted right as it was reversing. And so I get in my, and this is another thing I should, I should uh, scan and send you in my trading journal. You know, what a genius I was, right? Don't set adjustment points at support or resistance. Exclamation marks all through the line, underlines. You know, I'm strutting around the house going, I am the best trader in the world because I have learned this. <laughs> right. And so then, I, you know, I, I go to the, the usual websites the next day, and you, John, have done a blog, a free blog on your website, about, yeah, and of course, everybody knows you don't set an adjustment point of support or resistance. <laughs> because, of course, everybody knows this, right? And for you, it's like, pff, everybody knows it. So, you know, I'll put it on the free blog. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> to, say, <laughs> to say I was humbled is probably an understatement. To say it was time to contact you <laughs> was like, oh, yeah. I got to talk to this guy because I figured I'm certainly capable of finding all the potholes in this path, but for heaven's sakes, this guy sounds like he actually knows where a lot of them are. So why not just call him? And so then the first conversation you and I had, I showed you this losing trade that everybody had looked at and said, yeah, I, mm, I don't know, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's what it was. And, and I said, well, what do you think? And you were being so kind to me that first time. And you said, <laughs> just kind of offhandedly, you know, with by just going through it at my speed, you said, well, you know, for starters, I wouldn't have done this. I probably would have just done that. I said, okay, mm -hmm, fine. So later on, we hung up, and of course, I immediately go into back testing just to see if what you said off the top of your head would have worked, and it would have turned it into a winning trade. And it's like... Well, shoot. Okay, maybe there's an awful lot I can learn still. And that's where you and I started. And it's just been an amazing journey after that. Um, and, I, and I'm still learning. 
I mean, I don't know if anybody ever stops because the market changes and everything else, but I think that's the fun of it. Being retired, your brain can atrophy, mm. and this keeps me interested. This keeps me aware of things and aware of the world, which isn't always good right now, um, <laughs> but aware of the world and aware of what's going on, and it keeps the mathematical part of my brain adding and subtracting and all that, and it's just, and then there's the community. It's a social thing for me. I actually have people I can talk to. I'm off to Florida to visit my mother in a couple of weeks, and I'm hoping to see Raymond. I'm hoping to see Curtis. You know, it's just, it's a great kind of thing. So, it's fun. It's fantastic. What else you got, John? What else do I have? Well, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> that's good. Uh, so, you know, a lot of times I'll just ask about, you know, your background, which you've, you went over quite uh, nicely here. And uh, we talk about what strategies you've used, and you've been using the calendar and mainly butterflies. So uh, covered call, stuff like that, that's great. And mm -hmm. your favorite, obviously, is, is, is pushing towards the butterflies. So Yeah. Were you going to um, run through a, a demonstration, or I actually, if if it's okay with you, and if it isn't, I'm I'm screwed. So keep that in mind. Um, <laughs> instead of showing off a really cool M3 that's going to make all the advanced traders gasp and say, "Oh my gosh, now I know why she got the hat," <laughs> I thought I might present something that would be helpful for the newer traders in the audience. Um, we have a lot of people who are just now discovering the beauty of the M3, and I thought this might help them to see how I approach my M3 path. I are you good with that? I think that would be fantastic, especially because the recent months have been fairly challenging for people. So, and you know, there are there are things you can do there, but you know, sometimes mm -hmm. you take losses. That's the way it is. But um, all great information to to uh, help new people get along and maybe push a little bit forward. So, let's cool. do it. All right. So you always talk about the M3 being a great learning trade, and we all dutifully parrot that, and so it is. But I got to tell you, I was not prepared for how much learning there was going to be. And keep in mind, as I said, I started with rut butterflies, so I didn't come into this and come into your systems cold. You know, I'd right. had several years of very successful, very consistent trading wins. I was right. actually decent at this. Yeah, one, thing, so I'd like, one of, thing I would like to mention too, Cindy, I mean, I don't mm -hmm. mean to interrupt you, but you, yeah, you know, a ahead. lot of people come in and they come into options and they're just looking for a trade and they're just hoping that it works. And uh, <laughs> they come into a trade and they work for a while and sometimes they don't, yeah. but they don't really know what they're doing. And the M3, yes. like you were saying, it's meant to be a learning process so that you, you understand things so that you can actually change and adapt as things move around. Yep. Yeah, so. And good. I'm glad you said that because that's what I'm going to talk about. Awesome. Because, because yeah, I, I really thought I was, I was, you know, I would have called myself a, a good solid beginning intermediate at that point. And yet when I went through the video the first time, I thought, okay, I got this, you know, plus 50 minus 100, I can do this. And then I started back testing. Huh. Okay. <laughs> Maybe I need to go through the videos again. So I went back to the videos again. Okay, okay, now I picked up a few more things, then I went and did some more back testing and thought, huh. Okay, back to the videos. So when you say watch the videos three times, you're actually not kidding. And then I realized this is actually going to be a much longer journey than I had expected. Mm. I'm actually in awe of people like you, John, and Kevin and Ryan and so many of these other traders I've talked to and have listened to and everything who work so very hard because I'm really lazy 
and I don't like to work that hard. But what I am is very, very efficient. And I found in the beginning there are so many topics I still had to learn in the M3 that if I tried to tackle them all at once, I was never going to get anywhere. So instead, I looked at the very fastest way I could to learn everything I needed to earn my hat, because it is prestigious, as you mentioned. Of course. So I thought, so I thought you know, we create trading plans and live by them. Why not create a learning plan for trading? And so I created my M3 learning plan in which I took all of these topics and ordered them into a nice, neat path. Hmm. So I started out, and while I was actually still even backtesting, before I even placed my first live trade, I actually had planned out my trading learning path. And so my learning plan has three main steps. I'm going to spend most time today on the first one because that's the one that got me up and running, I think, the most quickly and efficiently. And after that, honestly, it's a matter of where everybody wants to go in their journey. Step one, this is the biggie. And John, you and I haven't actually talked about this, but I suspect you'll agree with it. Okay. I don't think people spend enough time trading by the guidelines. Just trade by the guidelines. I agree with you. You know, you know, people trade because they want to win, and they and they see things, and they so rather than rather than trading the trade and learning how the trade works, they're just trading to win, and they completely miss how everything works. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Totally agree. And and as I'm going to show you in this next however long we have, um, I found plenty of things to work on, but at least I didn't have to be concerned with trade setup and adjustments. So there are a number of really good reasons, obviously, that you want to just trade by the guidelines. Here are some that I thought of. But I don't think you can underestimate number three. It's the only set, it's the only system of trades that I know that you have a regular weekly check to see if you're still tracking how you should be trading this. One, one of my early trades, I remember, made like 500 bucks or something. And I'm thinking, man, I don't get this. I'm never going to get this. I can't, you know, maybe I should just give it up. And I was really concerned until I went back to the website trade and found it had actually lost money. And I'd eked out a small gain. So I was actually doing okay. Mm -hmm. But you don't realize that if you're just trading. You know, and the flip side of that is if you're losing and the website's making big money, you're probably doing something wrong. Exactly, yeah. So I think just the fact that you do this weekly webinar is huge when you're starting to look at this. Not that yours, you know, my trades never looked exactly like yours, of course, but they had the same kind of concept to them, and the results should be roughly the same. And why wouldn't you trade by guidelines? I already knew that the M3 was a money-making trade over the long run, and even in a learn learning trade, I mean, we still want to make money, right? Of course. <laughs> So, recommendations. Don't watch anything else. I mean, you've got enough stuff to work on. Don't get involved in all this advanced stuff. Try to just stick with the M3 and the guidelines and the webinars. And if you're looking for advice from people, you know, really, just stay within the guidelines. We always love giving advice of, oh, look at this cool, neat thing that I can do. In the beginning, seriously, no kidding trade by the guidelines right you know, you know, I, I taught martial arts for years I've been a martial I had a martial arts school I don't know if anybody everybody knows that but yep. and you always have these new students come in and they want to do all the fancy stuff that the more advanced students yep. are doing but the reality is in order to do that if you just try and do it you'll 
they inevitably it takes them longer to advance to that point because they're not they're just not getting the basics down so I mean realistically you got to bring someone in you just got to tell them to do all the basic stuff later on they might find out that a basic stuff doesn't work in a real fight but that you, you you need to go through that process in order to get to the point where you're where you're doing well so um, I think this is just the same concept here exactly so my first step because like I said, you know, the point isn't just to trade by guidelines and don't do anything else. The, person, the, the whole point is trade by guidelines, start learning. And the first thing I realized as soon as I started backtesting, I mean, this was before I even put on my live trade, is it's nice to say that I'm going to exit at 10% up or down, but actually that doesn't happen that often. And so what happened to me was I was going, okay, I'm going to close the trade today. And then the next day, inevitably, the market would have sat still and I would have been up more money. Or... I'm not going to close the trade today, and the next day, of course, it all, you know, went, went kerflooey on me, and I lost. And it's like, oh, man, I should have done that. I hate that I should have feeling, because the reality is, in, in trading, the only I should have is I should have followed my plan. Other than that, no sentence should ever start with I should have in my life, you know. Right, because that's the only thing you have control over. You have no no control, or you have no way of knowing what the market's going to do the next day. There's things that it exactly. should do. There's things that it might do, but you have no way of knowing. <laughs> yeah. <for sure. laughs> exactly right, and that's where I beat myself up. You know, is if I didn't have a good exit plan, I found it was all this. Just when am I going to exit? I don't know. And I, and you know, at that point, you actually have the odds of being wrong every single stinking time. Whereas at least if you have a plan and you're consistent, you know, hopefully you're at least 50-50. Right. So what I did, at least, you know, even before I started my first live trade, is I started my exit rules. My exit rules are about three pages long now. But they give me that comfort. They, they work within my risk tolerance. I have different exit rules for different time frames. I have different exit rules for expiration week, for two weeks to expiration, three weeks to, you know, I have all this kind of stuff, different market kinds. But I've got all these exit rules. This has made my life so much simpler because I never go back, oh, man, I would have been up another million dollars today if I don't. Nope. Followed my plan, exit rule, all works out in the end. Right. So I think that was I, one of the things we went over in APM Squared, and I think we've gone over in one-on-ones, is there's lots of reasons to exit a trade other than maximum loss yes. or profit target. And I have lifted liberally, liberally from your conversations. And in fact, one of them that you have is the 30-point gap down doesn't put me at max loss. I credit that exit rule with my profit in September and February. Because a lot of people I know Max lost out September, I think it was September, and February, and I didn't because I'm always looking at that 30 points down. Mm -hmm. And so when we had that huge gap down in August, I didn't get nailed by it. I didn't have to get out because I was already prepared for it. So, yeah, I, I've stolen from you. I admit it. I'm free. Hey, 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 join the club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm in really good company at that point. So, again, keep in mind, I'm still trading by guidelines, right? But now I've gotten all my exit rules that I'm starting to work on. So what's the next obvious thing to work on that's easy? Entry rules, right? Because we always start with 56 DTE. Start with just having a better entry because there's so many things that you're going to learn from this. Don't put adjustment points at support or resistance. Sorry, that one's, you know, I don't know that I'm ever going to get over that one. I think that one's going to live with me. 
<laughs> but if you start out with good pricing and positioning, the whole trade just becomes easier. You know, if you're not fighting it from day one or day two or day five, everything just becomes easier. So here's an example. Um, and, and I picked this slide because it's probably going to get some of the folks blinking because you may still believe the whole enter a butterfly on a high Vega day vague because it's a short Vega trade thing. And that's what I thought too until this is another conversation, John, that you and I had. We were talking about entering butterflies and you just made an offhand comment about, yeah, you always enter them on a screening update. And I think my response, my verbal response was something like, yeah, right, of course. Wait, what? <laughs> what, 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 what? Hold on. What you told me was genius because it fit in with where I was in my path. I was, I was still in step one, remember. So you didn't get into all this detail about volatilities and skews and everything, which I didn't need yet, but you gave me this summary that was, that was just like this light bulb going off. You said, well, think about it. When is a butterfly cheaper? a bearishly positioned butterfly. When the market's going down toward that butterfly, or do you think it's going to be cheaper when the market's screaming up away from that butterfly? And that was like this whole concept of the market. Because with that summary, it's like, yeah, that's all I needed to know is when does it make sense to buy things? And it made that sort of level, you know, you, you don't need to get into, like I said, SKUs and all that kind of stuff. You can do that later in subsequent steps. But in the beginning, that kind of, that level of understanding can make an enormous difference in your results in trading in the beginning. Mm -hmm. So this was, this was another of your offhand that has just, like I said, even in the beginning, made just a, a fantastic difference in my profitability. So thank you for that. And folks, take notice. It's not what you think. Fantastic. <laughs> so then I set this concept aside because I wanted to understand it better. But for now, you know, this was good enough. Next thing that was really, really, really fun for me. This is Panama, the Harpy Eagle, by the way. He was always one of my favorites. I found I was making a lot of adjustments. And sometimes I was getting absolutely slaughtered on them. You know, I'd look at it and I, I'd get filled and 15 minutes later it would drop a buck. It's like, oh man, <laughs> and not because of, not because of the underlying price moved, just, you know, spread price moved. Right. So I, I thought, a lot of people don't understand that there's a, the adjustment process or the, the execution process is an art in itself. <laughs> oh, it's a monstrous, monstrous art. And so I, this is, this is another thing that I did. And keep in mind, you know, this is still step one. I'm not trying to dig really deeply into this. I'm trying to make some large gains in my knowledge that can get me farther along the path. I don't, I don't need to fine tune it. You know, I'm not looking to get the best penny down to the penny, but I want to get a, a better price. So all I did was just, I watched everything. You know, and this goes back to, and I blogged about this too, the best advice you ever gave me was just be observant. Just watch what's happening. And so I started doing that. You know, I had the little option view spread thing up and all this kind of good stuff. And then I was trading in small lots. So even when I had to move a bunch of stuff, I'd do them one or two at a time. My T logs were freaking insane at this point because, you know, I'm just doing everything in ones and twos. Right. But I would find, okay, 
yeah, actually the price I thought I was going to get, I actually got. That actually was the best price. Or, man, I really missed it. Okay, and then I could go back and look at it. So this is still that observation. I'm not getting into synthetics. I'm not getting into anything else yet. Just watch and try to figure out how I can get better at this. So that was kind of the next thing that I tackled. And then, at this point, I'm getting comfortable with my adjustments, so I end up with options splattered all over the place, which made exiting really tricky. And in the beginning, I tried to exit with as few orders as possible because I wasn't that good in my pricing skills, but I'd already tackled that in my previous topic. So now I was feeling better about getting good pricing, so I was ready to make the next improvement. And surprisingly, I actually found I could improve my results, my profitability, greatly just by improving my exits, and I'm still keeping flat deltas all the way. So here's my September exit. Now, I'll grant I spent all freaking day, but, <laughs> you know, I actually got an extra almost 2% from, and, and the way I judge that is I, I go back into option view and assume I don't close it, and I look at what my max profit would have been for the day if I hadn't closed the max profit at any time, and then I look at where I actually netted out. This was an awesome month because the market was behaving so beautifully with these runs. And I essentially kind of just switch my deltas and then take it out. And I will spend, like I said, all day at this on my exit. But I only exit once a month, so who cares? Yeah. So I mean, that was... Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, the other thing is, too, um, what you did is really is a really good exercise comparing option view to how you exited. I'm, all, I'm always asked, I'm always asked, well, you can't get the prices that you get in the... Um, <laughs> that you get in that web update on Monday. And I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> You're right. I can't. I sometimes get better, actually. <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. Right. It's the thing is, they're comparing that to mid-prices, and that's not necessarily the point. The point is, if you're... If no. If you're judging your results on backtesting, you need to compare what your exit and entry prices are compared to, in your adjustments, compared to your backtesting prices. So, yep. Yeah. And they, and sometimes they will be extremely different on both sides. But, you know... It's it's a skill, and it's why we're in the M3, is because it's something you get a lot of practice in. Yes, yeah, definitely. You get a lot of practice moving stuff around, get a lot of practice in execution. Just It's, it's, it's yep. good all around for a learning experience. Nice. Mm -hmm. So what I did during all my step one is I took a ton of notes all along the way. And keep in mind, I'm a very focused person, so I try... I very much not to get distracted, and I don't want to, you know, don't want to look at this, don't want to look at that. I know it's going to be interesting, but I need to do these things. So I'm doing them in order. But I'm writing down the things that, you know, this is, I wasn't comfortable with this, and so I really want to do something about this. One of the things I kept running into is I get this excessive swoop. You see that especially, of course, as you get near expiration. But my Greeks are fine. So I'm here. There's nothing wrong, but I've got that swoop. I'm getting close to expiration. I'm worried that T plus zero is going to collapse. What do I do? So that's one of the notes that I said. There were a lot of also gray decision points. You know, those times when it's like, it's not actually at a point that by guidelines I'm supposed to do anything, but I'm not comfortable with this trade. So here, you know, I'm in between. I'm above my short strike, but I'm looking at that downside, and I'm not happy. Right, and I think that's an important point, Cindy, because um, you know we use delta guidelines in the program, but realistically, mm -hmm. it's very beneficial for you to look at your T plus zero line, take a look at how many points it takes to get drawn down a certain amount, and see if you're comfortable with that, and and then work yep. with. It. I think that's even more important. Absolutely, absolutely.
absolutely. And those are all the things you can do when you're doing it by the guidelines because you're not getting distracted by the fact that it's no longer an M3. It's, you know, it, you're still in the guidelines, so you're finding those places where, yeah, I, I need to change this. Expiration week, I, I trade in expiration week. Um, I don't mind it. I, I've done it for a long time. I understand how to do it. But I found it does behave, you know, certainly it behaves differently. And so, okay, if you're going into expiration week, you've got a position, how do you do that? I need to get better at that. And then there were just a bunch of other kind of generic things that I was looking at mm -hmm. of now that I've traded by guidelines, how do I kind of get to the next part? Well, what don't I like? And then, of course, the big question is always, right, when do you scale? Mm. So that was kind of where I got to step one. Um, and then my next step of the three is how you really start modifying it. You know, this is the point where you really start to make it your own. And the first question, of course, is how do I know when to go from step one to two? When do I start stepping away, no pun intended, from the trade by the guidelines to all these things that I've just tackled? For me, it's an easy answer. If I can't meet or beat the website, why would I deviate from guidelines? That is a fantastic insight. I like it. Woohoo! Um, I'm trying to. I'm still trying to earn my hat here. But that's that's what it comes down to, you know. Because at the end of the day, like I said earlier, learning trade still want to make money even when I'm learning. So that was that was my first thing. So then we get into okay. Now I'm into modifying the trade. I've got this problem that I showed earlier. I've got the excessive swoops. Don't really know what to do. What did I do? Yeah, I called you. So second thing. Price was near the short, you know, not really at a roll point, so what did I do? Yeah, I called you. So number three, hey, I did this one on my own, expiration week guidelines. I think expiration week guidelines almost have to be written by the person because there's so much personality in trading in expiration week. It's just it's a whole different game and what you're comfortable with, and I know some people avoid it like the plague and they're smart to do so. Um, this one I actually have and now a whole trading plan for expiration week. I mean, I have my trading plan and then I have two weeks to expiration and expiration week and they're completely different rules. Right, because um, things react so differently as you come into expiration yes. and um, oh, it makes yeah. sense. Yeah, nice. And fast. And, and you're right, they do react differently and they don't really react the way the Greeks imply anymore either. You know, you most of it is what the market thinks is going to happen and Right. And your yeah. Greeks. There's so much yeah. dependent on, on how much they think the price is going to move, which way it's going to move. And, and yes. you know, T plus zero line sometimes doesn't mean a whole lot. Yeah. No, it really doesn't because it's not going to look that way tomorrow. If the market's sure it's going to stop, that T plus zero is just going to collapse. It's just going to go poof in, in one day. And sometimes in five minutes. I mean, I've seen, I've seen that thing just change just because all of a sudden the market thinks, oh, this is what's happening. It's nuts. It is. So, yeah, expiration week. And, of course, roll up, roll down, and what did I do? Hey, I called you. <laughs> you know, sometimes it works, right? Hey, sometimes it works, yeah. <laughs> do what you can. <laughs> you know, it's one of these. I, I look at how much time I spent figuring out that whole support resistance adjustment thing as opposed to, like, 30 seconds with you. And, again, lazy, my time is valuable. And it makes sense. You know, I get there much faster if I don't have to reinvent the wheel. You've already invented the wheel, and it's rolling beautifully. Just just do that. 
Some things I do on my own, obviously, but even so. Um, next step was get away from the rules. You know, get away from all those. This is where you start getting frisky with all of your adjustments, incorporating all sorts of different things. But again, because you've been trading this thing by the guidelines for so long, you know how the M3 reacts. You know what it actually does. So now you can see how it does, how it adjusts differently, and you can see the difference. What happens? Well, you put the upper butterflies. It's better in these circumstances. It's worse in these circumstances, but I understand it will react differently. Weekly on calls, calendars, you know, all those things. For the technical analysis people, you start putting in all the market conditions. You know, all of these things can, can start coming into this trade at this point. And then, of course, this is where you're trying to get to, right? Right, right. And I will tell you from experience, going from 50 to 100K is probably the worst because you're doubling. The whole, you know, don't lose more money than you win in a month thing. The problem with when you move to 100K that first time is you know that when you lose one, you're actually losing two of your previous months. So um, I solved that by just not losing. I would recommend that. But <laughs> Can you show that? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but it was a little unnerving. You know, after that it gets easier because the percentages get lower as you add 50K each time. Right, and that is but, a big step when you double like that. And the other thing is, too, is a lot of people tend to double size after they've won six months in a row, and that's when they're most likely to take a loss. So yes, uh, I usually recommend doubling after losing. So. Yeah. Because your next month is usually good. Yeah. But but it's I I ran into there were a lot of questions here that I had and one of the questions you asked me early on was when do you stop trading? And that was a really interesting question. You know, and so when I started trading larger, when would I actually decrease? You know, when when do you kind of stop and say, okay, I'm going to step back? And I created rules for that as well. You know, some people overlap, some people don't. If you overlap, sometimes you have to watch for max capital, and maybe you want to do capital control on one or scale in. If you're scaling in, do you just add to the original? You know, there are all sorts of these things. And that's why I said this, this step, steps two and three for me are individual. They're going to be really personal. Step one, I think everybody would probably benefit from following uh, if my ego gets in the way and says that. But two and three, it's where you really are trying to find your way of how to make this happen. And trading larger is one of those, like I said, very personal things. And I always recommend you know, consulting your mentor. This was actually, I tried to make Happy the Barn Owl my trading partner, but of course he's nocturnal, so that doesn't really work well. But <laughs> anyway, uh, That's great. there are all That's sorts of picture. problems. Yeah, he was adorable. He was absolutely adorable. And then you move into step three. And this is the part where you really start understanding the trade. And you get into all of these things of really understanding how this thing works and how you do your adjustments and when they're good. And you can roll in your M your M21 type M3. <laughs> I kind of do an M21 type. I actually call this C3 now because it's really not an M3 anymore. And I have many of them. It's I, a Cindy I three. don't have as it is. <laughs> I don't have as many as you do, as many variations, but I do have multiple trading plans for different market types. And it, you know, all of this starts floating into your, you know, again, making it your own and what you're comfortable with. And of course, that was step three. But there are tons and tons and tons and tons of steps after that, based on where you want to go with this kind of thing. 
Right. So, See, I, I think I, I think most people, you know, they take the M3 and they think they and they think my my hope is for them just to follow this little box plan, and that's not my hope mm -hmm. for them. My hope for them is to come in, really understand how to trade, understand how to adapt to the market, and then come up with something on your own that that fits you. I think that's yep. You know, that's that's fantastic. And and so you know you plan for those days when things aren't going to go your way. That's Lizzie, my baby otter. And for those days when you're just sitting on your hands, you know, and you look at that and you go, huh, life is pretty darn good. So that's my journey through the M3. Um, like I said, not really, I hope I didn't disappoint everybody by not showing really cool trades, but I kind of was wanted to talk more about, here's how I got through it, because I think that's a different perspective. Well, I think that's a, I think it's a good good choice you took for a presentation because realistically anybody can see an M3 trade. I do them every Monday, so. <laughs> right. And I recommend you watch them every Monday. Thank you. Folks out there. <laughs> and, and, and you, know, you can go back for years. And you know, like I said, you know, this isn't something that's new. It's not a trading strategy that I've traded every, uh, you know, that I've changed every six months. It's essentially the same right. thing we've been doing for, I don't know, I mean, I've only been displaying them for ten for for, uh, for about four or five years, but realistically, we've been, we've been training these systems since 2006 through all different types of market environments, and we know what you know. We know when they do well. We know when they do poorly. We don't pull any punches on the website trade. Sometimes we lose. We're down for the year this year mm -hmm. um, on the website trades. That doesn't mean all of my M3 traders are down. It just means that you know, if you completely just straight followed the guidelines, you'd be down a little bit. But um, right. You know, making the trade your own, adapting to market conditions, and learning from what's happening now, you can go ahead and you can propel yourself and, and, and make better learnings for different market conditions. Yeah, and I think it's critical to know if the website's trade, trade is down for the year and you're a new trader and you're down for the year, it's okay. It may not be you. You know, it may be. I'm not saying it isn't, but at least it's not, like I said, you, you, at least it's not that the website's pulling in a 10% every month and you're losing. You know, you have to look at it, and it gives you a context, which you don't normally get with other trades. Exactly. I think that's very beneficial for people and um, to do that. I think it's a whole lot better than just trying to follow someone else's instructions. It's, it's you know, it's coming yeah. in there and just, you know, learning on your own. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I was, I was certainly astonished at how much learning there was, and I'm still learning. I mean, every month I still find new things that I want to tune and tweak and oddities that it's like, wait, why did it do that? You know, wh why did that happen? And can I see that in the future, or should I adapt for it in the future? And it's just a, I think it's a constant, constant improvement. Right, and when you adapt for something, you don't, that adaptation is not going to work everywhere. And that's, no. you know, a lot of times I talk to students and they want an adaptation that's going to work all the time. It's like, well, if it worked most of the time, it would be in the program. <laughs> right. <laughs> it works for specific yeah. conditions. I, yeah, I, I just want something that I don't have to think about it and makes money. Don't we all? Um, but, you know, it's it's kind of, as I've always said, if, if such a thing actually existed, don't you think Goldman Sachs or somebody with, with rafts and rafts of traders and mathematicians and high-powered computing, somebody would have found it by now. It, it's, there's, there's unfortunately no substitute. Right, right. I mean, you have to look at that, that the, the, you know, the, top trade, the top hedge traders in the world are only making a certain amount of money and we're making as much as they are just goofing around. You know? Yes. Yeah, exactly. But you do have to work at it. 
-hmm. You know, um, like I said, I'm I'm lazy, but I also recognize I have to work at it. I just try to be very efficient, and a large part of why I think I progress, I tend to progress pretty quickly, is because I don't get distracted. It's like I I came up with this my trading learning path, and said, yeah, I know this is really interesting, and I'll look at it later. But today, today I'm doing pricing. This month I'm doing pricing. Next month I'm still doing pricing because I don't think I got it all last month. You know, and then. <laughs> kind of keep it, just keep on the path and don't get distracted. Right, right. And, and, and you know, don't get distracted by what we call shiny object syndrome. Ooh, this is working mm -hmm. now. Let's, uh, let's yep. go do that and let's, let's plan on doing that every month for the next six years. And you know, yep. you'll, you'll and do it and it might work for a while, it might not, but um, eventually conditions change. And if you don't know how to deal with that, you, you're looking for the next shiny object and you're not really learning how to yep. train, So, Absolutely. And, you know, and then you have to realize that by the time people present a new trade, it's already been working, so it's probably due to stop working soon. Yeah, yeah, that is a lot of the, that, that is true as well, and we, we do see that, and they, they even rotate that within my strategies. They're like, well, I'm going to do a bull trade because the M3 hasn't been making much money because the market's been going up too much. <laughs> they do a bull trade, and the market comes down, right. and they lose. They say, well, I'm going to do a bearish butterfly. Now the market's down, and they're doing right. a bearish butterfly, so it's like, no, no, you're always behind the curve. <laughs> Let's start yeah. thinking a little bit more proactively point, here. And, and that's the thing, you know, if you're consistent, over the long run, you win. But, you know, if you, if you bounce around from trade to trade all the time, you have the option of actually being wrong every single time. I know, that's it's like, um, I, I compare it to flipping a penny. If yes. If you call, randomly call heads and tails, you usually do worse than if you just call the same thing every single time. <laughs> yep, absolutely right. So. And you have, but that's where the back testing comes in too. You know, you've convinced yourself that this actually does work over the long run. Right, and that's assuming you're backtesting properly, which is a whole other subject, right? We can, we, oh, we, that's we, a huge subject, Most yes. people don't backtest properly, and, I, and I, we're actually going to be doing a course on that later. But, um, yeah. yeah, and I think that'll be very useful. I actually backtested with an egg timer so that I, I put myself under pressure. You know, I have a minute to make a decision. Click, and, you know, tried to add that extra extra speed into it that you normally don't get when you're just kind of ah, back testing. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> that's probably a better option than what I did. I just put on 60 live trades and I, <laughs> I was working full time and I had like two minutes, I had like two minutes, to, if, if I did two minutes of trading, it was out of two hours, right? So, <laughs> oh, so yeah. Like boom, 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 right. make a decision. You, had, you basically had 60 seconds or, or actually 30 seconds to make a decision and only a couple of minutes if you had to mm -hmm. make an adjustment. So. Um, yep. It, it really yes, burns. but it. you're nuts. Yeah, I, I know. I, I mean, we we all adore you, but you're uh, a little nuts. I, 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 <laughs> my wife tells me the same thing. So, <laughs> but I didn't retire and go to Belize. So <laughs> there you go. Well, which just proves that I'm nuts as well. So that's all right. We, we're in good company. We um, have a whole community of us. Yes. Exactly. See, I, let's see. What do I? I just have a question. What do you specific? Mm -hmm. What do you? And if you have any questions, anybody, just feel free to ask them. But what do you specifically do to be efficient? And what do you mean by that? And that's a really good question. And efficiency for me is really comes down to having a plan. And like I said, for me, it's not just a trading plan. It's a learning plan, and then not getting distracted. You know. Like I said, I've never traded an iron condor, and so I have never watched a single webinar on an iron condor, because for me, that's not an efficient use of my time. What did I do? I traded by guidelines in the beginning. What did I work on? First, exit plan. What else did I work on? 
Nothing. I'm working on my exit plan. Once I got that done, I went to the next. What did I work on? My entry days. What else did I work on? Nothing. I'm working on my entry days. Ooh, but somebody did this cool thing over here where you can, you know, use weekly calls and say, right, don't care, not going to watch it, working on my entry days. So it's a very focused approach and as opposed to a scattershot approach. And I did that largely because, like I said, I found there was so much to learn. But I could get some pretty good big hits. It's kind of the Pareto principle, right, the 80-20 rule. You can get that 80% pretty quickly if you just stay focused. Work on just really getting really good entries. Don't work on anything else. You know, and then on to the next. And so mostly it's I have huge, huge gaps in my knowledge of things like iron condors because I just don't spend the time. Everything I do trading-wise is geared towards specifically my trade and nothing else. Right, right. Two points on that is a lot of people think they can multitask and learn faster, and that's just not true. It's uh, no. scientifically proven. You learn much faster if you focus on one thing at a time, and you're certainly not learning fast if you're trying to do 17 different things at once and, what, and spending right. time doing this and that rather than just working on your process. I think that's, um, that's a really good point. And there was something else, too, but I completely lost it. <laughs> ah, well, hopefully it was good. <laughs> But yeah, I, I think that is a key. I, I really do. Is The other thing is the whole be observant thing. That works the best when you only have one thing in your brain. You know, I have all the entries for the past two years in my brain, with the, and, I, and I understand each market condition. Now, I'm trying to do, I have all the entries for the past two years in my brain, plus I have all the technical analysis things that I'm learning, trying to learn in my brain, plus I have all this. I don't notice when the entry is different today because it's not my top of mind. On those, you know, for me, because I was looking at that, all of a sudden I'd click on and all of a sudden the entry price is way cheap today. It's like, whoa, 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 that's different. And I knew that because that's what I had in my brain. So, yeah, it's kind of what you were saying, John. Don't right, you can, do only con can only conscious, consciously focus on one thing at a time. The thing is if you're focusing on an entry, focusing on entry, it goes into your unconscious. And that mm -hmm. way you automatically see that entry. You don't have to worry about right. focusing on it anymore. It's just automatically there because your unconscious sees it. And, you know, and that's – go ahead. Uh, that's why I love that Calvin Coolidge quote at the beginning of, I can't do everything at once, but I can do something at once. Right. And that was really what I was trying to focus on. Yeah, ex excellent. Excellent advice, I think, here for, for developing traders and for, and for even more developed traders, too. So sometimes we need to step back and take a look at what we're doing differently than what we're learning and you know, go back and maybe fill in some information. So mm -hmm. I, I just think this was a, a fantastic presentation. Oh, thank you. I earned my hat. I earned my hat. You're not going to take it back from me in Hawaii because I was afraid of that. You you earned it before I before the presentation, but yeah, you could have lost it here, but, but uh, luckily you got it. Oh, phew. It was it was close, but man, I I think it was the otter pictures. You know, I figure I throw in enough enough animal pictures and I get the awe factor, which was close enough. That is, yeah, those are really cute. Those are great pictures. It's. Um, yeah. I I have to tell you one one funny story. Um. I recently switched to a new just general practitioner because mine moved, and he found out I trade options. And he said, oh, my, so you must be an extremely stressed person, and I could probably write a prescription for you for something to help you cope, but I'd really rather not. And have you thought of trying meditation? And I just stood there thinking, have you looked at my blood pressure? <laughs> Have you even met me? 
and and it was just the most amazing thing. But I think there's so much of that still in the community, and I just couldn't convince him that, yeah, no, I, I have the kind of this plan, <laughs> and it's just really not a stressful thing. But it was just funny because it was one of those, you know, options popping into your life in an unexpected way, and it kind of goes to what people actually think. Options right, well, trading. I mean, you're focusing on something you can control, the way you trade, the, your plan, right? Rather than something you can't control, which is whatever the market's going to happen to do. So. Yep. And and you know, at the end of the day, it would really suck if I lost my entire options trading account because of some catastrophe or something. But you know, at the end of the day, it's not a disaster because not all my money is in my options trading account, and it's you know, nobody died. I'm up money. I'm down money. But whatever. But it was just um, it was just a funny you know kind of outsider's perspective of what options trading is. Exactly, and that's a good point you brought up too. So many people traded with way more money than they should that um, you know they really need to cut back on that because you you need to be able to basically lose your account and still be okay uh, as you move right. forward in order to trade, to trade effectively. So yep. very good point there. Oh, thank you. That was a freebie. <laughs> That wasn't even part of the presentation. Woohoo! Woohoo! <laughs> awesome. Great. All right. Well, I guess let's see. It's uh, what's the time here? It's it's uh. Well, we got time. If you if there's no more questions, I'm all set. Do you have anything else to add, Cindy? Or nope. Hey, hang in there, folks. Um, it gets no. It doesn't get any easier. It just gets better. It gets better, yeah. If you're having a challenging time, and yeah, advice for those people who are having challenging time right now, because it's you know we had a tough January, everybody. February, March. Yeah. Here's a hint: everybody has challenging times. You know, you're not alone. And like I said, I I really like kind of tracking against the website to go. Okay, yeah, it's not me. You know, yeah, everybody. Whatever. Yeah. It's just it's one of those things. You know, things change. You change. Maybe you made a mistake this month, and we've all done that too. That it's like, oh man, I can't believe I just did that. It happens. It's happened to all of us. It'll happen again. Life goes on. Nobody right. died. You know, another comment I'd like to make real quick is too, and you know, Earl Nightingale has this saying that you know a lot of people they sit in front of a wood stove and they say, give me heat and I'll give you wood. Right, expecting expecting yeah. to get heat out of the wood stove without getting wood. You wouldn't do that. That's completely ridiculous. They do the same thing mm -hmm. with their options education. You know, they start having a hard time and they pull back. You know, they and it's the same yes. thing with the business. A business starts having a hard time. You know, a business is going to die when that business has a hard time and they cut back on their advertising expenses and they cut back mm -hmm. on their research and development. That's a that's a kiss of death for the business. It's also a kiss of death for the trader. When you know you start having a hard time, and then you stop attending coaching sessions, and then you you know you pull back, and uh, mm -hmm. you, you hope the you say, well, I got this comment from somebody that you know essentially said, well, when I start making more money, I'll do more coaching, and it's the same. <laughs> Other way around, actually. Yeah, <laughs> when I start getting heat from the wood stove, I'll throw, I'll give you right. some, I'll give you some food, and um, yep. it's you know it's. It's it's backwards thinking, you know. When it is when you're when you're doing poorly, when times are tough, that's the that's the time when the learning comes in. And that's the time you have to research. You have to put the you know the the, uh, the money or, or your resources into research and development and improving yourself, or uh, so that you can get better. And uh, it's absolutely true. And and the other thing is, you know, to the comment about if I had more, you know, if I had more money, I'd, I'd spend more time. I specifically spent the money with you up front because I could have muddled through all these little potholes and found my don't hit, don't put adjustments at support resistance on my own, and it would have taken me a lot longer. 
And in that time, I wouldn't have made as much money because that one trade that I lost that had I talked to you first, I would have won, that, that covered you right there. I mean, poof, you know, I'm done. And you can learn all this stuff on your own and you can trip on it and yeah, you can figure it out. But there are people who have been there before who have already figured it out and it makes sense to listen to them. My only caveat there is put it in perspective. You know, I go back to my little story about when you told me about how to enter butterflies. You didn't overwhelm me at that point with, and let's talk about the detail. You know, it's this, for, for where I was, that's what I needed to know. You know, don't, make sure if you're talking to someone, they understand where you are in this process, which step you're in, and they don't try to get too tricky either. Because, you know, it, it's too easy to say, oh, we'll do all this and, and hmm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. People have they have a tendency to get so involved in these little things that don't matter. Um, right. Yes. And and basically, you just need to step back, take a look at the big picture, and, and yep. you know, don't enter bearish butterflies at support points. Okay. <laughs> you don't need to know what the what the, what the volatility of the market is. It's just you know, it's just right. really easy. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's true. Yeah. So awesome. Awesome. Well, this was a, a fantastic presentation. Uh, I, yeah. Lots of good comments. Uh, I hope everybody had had a fantastic time and learned a lot from Cindy. And like I said, she, she's been through the path and has done an awesome job and, and come up with her own, made her own modifications. Is doing great. So congratulations and um, you know, thank you for the presentation. Thank you, and thank you for the hat. I will be proudly wearing it in Hawaii. Yes, yeah, well... It, I have a quick question for you. Sorry, this is Sherry. I have a quick question. Hey, Sherry, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I am fantastic. Are you wearing your hat? Of course I'm wearing... Seriously, is that even a question? This is actually my... This is actually my trading hat, and so I keep it hanging on the whiteboard, which I have right next to my little trading station, and my husband knows when I have the trading hat on, don't talk to me, because I'm trading. <laughs> so it's like, it's like my way of saying, okay, I'm in the middle of doing 22 different adjustments, you know, please don't talk to me, just leave me alone, because I have the hat, and it's so cool. So yeah, you know, it's single-handedly made my marriage better even, so thank you for that as well. That is that is awesome. That. I, I, I might funny. I might need a hat because people come in and talk to me all the time. It's like I'm sitting there watching the market and I just filled a hundred butterflies and I'm and I think I might have yes. made a mistake, right? <laughs> and they're saying, right, "Oh, by the exactly. way, what are you for dinner?" <laughs> it's like leave me alone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have um, I have the glare, <laughs> and when I was working, people would recognize from the glare that it's you know really not a good time. But you try not to do that with your loved ones. So I find the hat is... I know. They get all upset about today. that for some reason. <laughs> I know. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> well, then you'll get, what you, you'll get whatever it is for supper, though. I don't ask. And in yeah. the middle of 100 butterflies, <laughs> that's probably okay. Because <laughs> I have the same thing, you know, because I'm not afraid of... of tons and tons of orders and because I like even with my adjustments I'll move them small pieces at a time and stuff so I'll have this list of you know 26 orders I have to do in order because I do keep flat deltas and stuff please don't make me lose track of where I am <laughs> because it's really not going to go well for you regardless of what we have for dinner so yes the hat I love the hat that's fantastic and, and so you'll be and you'll be with us in Hawaii I can't wait it's going to be so much fun it is. Well, New Hampshire was awesome. 
I mean, it was just really wonderful. And so I'm really looking forward to uh, really looking forward to meeting some new people as well as renewing some old acquaintances in Hawaii. Yeah, we got a really great group there, so we're gonna have a, we're gonna have a good time, and maybe do some recreational activities. So that'll be fun. Oh, definitely. Woohoo! <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> I'm I'm all about that too. <laughs> great. Thank you so much, Cindy. Thanks, Sherry. Take care of yourself, and I'll see you soon. Yes. Thanks very much. We'll see, see you later. Bye bye. Okay. Thanks, John. Bye.